Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Grounded in the Middle. I am Danielle Folk, your host, and I am so happy that you hopped on here today because I have a very special guest for you, and it is Paula Ferris. You may know her from The View or from Good Morning America, but she's on today to discuss her new book, You Don't Have to Carry It All. And, you know, I first got to know about Paula Ferris when I saw her on the cover of the Link to Us magazine, the spring issue this year. And I had actually contributed an article to that magazine. Um, and I, I couldn't help but think that Paula would be a great person to have come on, talk about better living, especially for women and what it looks like for women in today's society, in America, um, what it looks like to to work, but also do all the other things. And so it is a pleasure to have her on. And so I hope you will enjoy this interview. Thank you first for joining the podcast My today. Pleasure. I know we've uh, been in con- like in contact over Instagram and I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. So You don't know this about me. I feel like I know more about you. Um, But when we came out here to the country five years ago, I was kind of returning with our family. But what I thought was kind of a reset for us was actually me returning to my roots. But what started all of this was I was a teacher and my husband's career was taking off and it was... I had to carry it all. And we got to the point where it wasn't good for our family anymore, Mm -hmm. but it also didn't make sense for me. Childcare is so expensive that if I put them in daycare, that was my paycheck. (laughs) And so I felt like I was somewhat forced out of my job and it's been kind of a sore subject that's lived with inside of me. But your book has really shined a light on that. It's not my husband's fault. It's kind of how our society society is. Now for you, you had a a transition from from leaving Good Morning America. Can you share about what it was like navigating that transition? Well, I think, you know, sometimes the change is a change that we choose. Now for you... Yes, it was your choice, but you also kind of were forced out of your job because it's ridiculous how much childcare costs. It's, uh, you know, to send your kid to childcare for a year, it costs the same to send your kid to in-state tuition. Like earnings have been stagnant. Childcare has gone through the roof. And often it's the the women and the mothers who are the ones forced to stay home because we just make less. We make 70 cents on the dollar compared to fathers. So, so yes, it was your choice, but not really. Okay. For me, right. Um, you know, I pumped the brakes in 2018 cause I was burnout. Um, so I, I said, I didn't want to anchor GMA. I didn't want to host the view anymore. I wanted to step into a much less prestigious position of just being a general correspondent at the network. And then a year, just a little over a year later, they let me go right at the beginning of the pandemic when, um, a lot of other moms lost their job. And I had a choice in that moment to stay in TV, which is all I'd ever known for like 20 something years. And that was the safe, expected, comfortable choice or to really pursue this call on my heart. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew that I had this passion to advocate for mothers in the workplace based on my experience, what I saw happening to so many other women who became mothers, how we were suddenly like treated like we were less than, we weren't valued, we were treated like a risk, we were passed over on promotions, we were paid less, like our voice didn't matter anymore. And I was like, you know what, this is ridiculous because, you know, whether or not you get to work, have to work, want to work, like 
the reality is most women are working and most mothers are working because they have to and we've done a real good job of villainizing work too um mm -hmm. and so I decided to go for this thing, didn't know what it was going to look like, a uh, hard right turn, blew up our lives, moved from New York to small town South Carolina, formed Carrie, which just means, okay, God, we're, we want to help carry the burdens of, of mothers because um, they're carrying so much. And, you know, a year and a half, almost two years later, we've um, become a real trusted resource for working moms. We provide low lessening content and we're really out there just beating the drum for, for working moms. Um, to try to make sure that we are celebrated instead of scrutinized. So you mentioned um, faith and that plays an important role in your life and mm -hmm. in the decisions you make in Carrie Media. Um, sure. Can you share a little bit about how is faith important to you? What yeah. is it? How has it guided you yeah, through well, these I transitions? Think, I mean, faith's been a part of my life since the time I was born. Uh, you know, I... What the work we're doing with Carrie, it's not it's nonpartisan, so we're not affiliated with any political affiliation. We're not affiliated with any religion, um, but I do. I, I feel like I work best and I'm able to shine my light in mainstream places. Um, I'm a disruptor, so I love to, you know, have challenging, <laughs> disruptive conversations. Um, God made me a curious, question-asking advocate, and from the time I was young, um, you know, was born into a Catholic family. And I say I'm a Christian mutt because I had my first communion in the Catholic church. Then we started going to the Lutheran church and I was confirmed in the Lutheran church. Then I went to a Baptist high school. Then I went to a Bible college and now I go to a non-denom church. But, you know, from the time I was born, we went to this Pentecostal group of believers. It was called Morningstar Christian Community in my hometown of Jackson, Michigan. And it was ecumenical in the sense that uh, you had Baptists and Episcopalians and and Methodists and Lutherans and Catholics and you went to your respective church on Sunday morning and then Sunday night you met at the local YMCA and there was something called a prayer meeting and it's very Pentecostal <laughs> so and then Saturday yeah. nights we had um, you might call it in, in the faith circles you might call it a small group we had household so look I have seen it all and faith has been a huge part of my life again um i don't really i can't separate myself like it informs everything about me um but i also just want people to see that there's something different about me um i i, I swim best in those mainstream lanes because i like to be that disruptor and challenger and i like people to see that there's something different about me and we are called to be salt and light and to shine our light and sh light shines in dark places so i'm not afraid to go there yeah. And it, and I've learned about you from other interviews that you've done. Uh, you're very inquisitive that you've gotten a <laughs> special nickname of Paula 20 questions. Yes. Yes. That was, I mean, I was a very annoying child. Could you imagine? Like I was so inquisitive. My cousins and my family gave me that nickname from the time I was basically born Paula 20 questions and it has served me kind of well, you know, so, but yes, God created me to be a curious inquisitive. question asking, very inquisitive, but I was super annoying as a child. Super. Annoying. So, so you end up moving down South and you start carrying media. What made you decide to write this book? Mm. I, so again, I didn't really know what it was all. I didn't know, Hey, I'm going to start a media company or a content company. I just knew God put this passion on my heart to advocate for mothers in the workplace because of the way that we are marginalized, you know, paid less value, less scrutinized more, and work is often villainized anyway. And I'm like, motherhood needs to be celebrated instead of punished and scrutinized. 
And um, the more research I did, because I'm a total nerd when it comes to research and studies and like it's I like to back things up with fact, uh, not just fiction. It's not just a feeling. This is actually happening. And so the more and more work that we started doing with Carrie and just seeing like, oh, my gosh, this this is crazy. And, you know, digging into getting context for well, why are moms paid 70 cents on the dollar compared to fathers? And those numbers are even more offensive and egregious for mothers of color. You know, why is there this tension um, uh, for women in the workforce? Why are we passed over on promotions? How did we get here in the first place? You know, so like, how did we go from describing ourselves as, you know, hardworking and resourceful and industrious as mothers, you know, 150, 200 years ago to, you know, burnout? I'm exhausted. I, you know, I can't carry this load. So anyway, the more and more work we started doing, I'm like this, we've got to, you know, I, I just wanted to get to the bottom of this. I wanted to um, not just build a case for like what to do, what we can do to support mothers in the workplace, but also the why behind it. You know, like if we continue to pay women less than and, and to scrutinize motherhood, we're going to have less, you know, fewer and fewer babies. And that affects all of us because our babies will fuel the labor force. And if we don't have a burgeoning labor force, we can't grow our economy, regardless of whether or not you have children. Um, right. You know, but also just, you know, if we continue to pay mothers less than we'll continue cycles of debt and poverty. And so the more and more research I did, I just like, I've got to write this message. I've got to, it's, it's for me, it's a way to stand in the gap to really advocate for mothers in the workplace and, um, you know, we're faced with in this country with choosing kids or career, you know, and it's not like that in other countries. So it, it's a it's a love letter. It's a hug. It's a sword. It's a tool belt, all of it to help mothers, especially working moms feel uh, seen and heard. You're not alone. Things are going to get better. Here's kind of how we got here to begin with. So it gives you some context as to like why you're feeling the way you're feeling, why things are the way they are here in America. So I had the opportunity to interview all kinds of thought leaders and experts and, you know, theologians, sociologists, historians, moms from all walks of life to figure out, like, how do we get here? How do we get out of it? How long did that take for you to do all um, the interviews? Years, you know, a couple of years, but okay. so like, yeah, I had formed Carrie, but like, some of the, a lot of the work I did had like predated Carrie. It was just, it was my collective experience, you know, being a mother in the workforce, you know, my oldest is almost 16 now. So it's like Gosh. these experiences, um, my experiences, the experiences of so many women uh, who became mothers, like it was all kind of bubbling to the surface. So yes, it took me, you know, the, the book writing process for anybody that's not familiar with, it is, it's, it's so frustrating because it takes forever. So like you have an idea for a book and then you have to pitch it to different publishing ho houses and whoever you find the nice, the best fit with, well, then you turn in maybe six to nine months later, a full manuscript. Then the manuscript from the date you turn in the manuscript, you have all the, the revisions, but the book doesn't come out for another year, typically after you turn in the manuscript. So a lot of times, like I was talking to Bob Goff, he's like, I'm already working on my next book by the time I knew, you know, so, so it's a very right, long, yeah. laborious process, you know, sometimes can be, you know, well over two years. And it seems though, this, it's kind of been like a journey that you didn't realize you were on. It's 100%. you've gotten, yeah, you've gotten to where you were meant to be today mm -hmm. with everything that you have experienced. And I think, mm -hmm. I think that's really, um, that's kind of God 
God showing up and showing us, yeah, you're where you're meant to be. And you're often led onto your appropriate path through pain, right? And you know, had I not lost my job unexpectedly, I would have never been kind of like forced onto this path or to make a decision. I was, I had a choice, but I really felt like this is what I was supposed to be doing. Didn't know what it was going to look like, but I just did the next right thing. I didn't have a full business plan. I just kind of did the next right thing and did the next right thing. And I've kind of been fumbling my way through it, but yeah, it's really cool. Like nothing's ever wasted in God's economy. It doesn't matter what it is, what the, like they're, they're everything like they're all going to be ingredients into the final recipe, you know? So that's really been cool um, about each of our journeys is to look back and think, oh my gosh, that job that I thought, um, or that season that just didn't feel, it felt like, you know, I didn't feel like there was much, there was much worth in that. It was kind of pointless. It it won't be wasted. I promise you it won't be wasted, but it takes a while sometimes to reveal that. Yeah, it sure does. So Talking about the research that you did, it is really interesting to learn about how families, households have evolved over the years and where we have gotten ourselves ever since I read your book, I, nostalgia keeps coming up mm-hmm. and I keep hearing people re, you know, say, Oh, the nostalgia of this. I even heard it at a board meeting the other day, but it's the things that we want to remember, mm-hmm. but we're not, we don't want to go back and, and live yeah. that. And yeah. so you talk yeah. about the fifties and yeah, I, I totally agree. We think, Oh yeah, the fifties it's, you know, it's perfect time. It's a perfect mm-hmm. family. When the husbands, the men were being pushed out kind of of mm-hmm. the families yep. and, and I, I hate that. Um, my husband and I have worked really hard to make sure that he is there and involved, awesome. but you have to, you have to fight for it these mm-hmm. days yeah. on, um, and so I think that's very revealing that section of your book and, but let's talk about mom guilt though. Mm-hmm. What can you share when it comes to mom guilt and right. how do we how do we tackle that? Yeah. Well, well, a couple of things. And if you just mentioned nostalgia, yeah, we want the feeling, but not the reality. Like, yeah, those yeah. traditional homes back in the 1950s where we pushed men out of the home and women out of the workforce. That's really when we started pushing men out of the family, but it was good for part of the people, part of the time, because black people were forced out of the workforce. Women were primarily forced out of the workforce. If they were worked, they were paid, you know, cents on the dollar. It wasn't a more moral time. We've seen mad men. Men came home with lipstick on their collar, but what were the women going to do? You know, rape was still legal in um, in marriage. Teen pregnancies were at all-time high. A third of the country was in poverty. So I had a lot of blind spots. So to do that expository work, to look at, you know, as a whole, how do we get here? Let's look at American families throughout history. The most traditional family is like yours. You know, Danielle, where the mother and father are working side by side, you're raising the children together, you're co-producing together, and you're working as a partnership. That's actually the most traditional family um, that we've right. ever had. But we often like we often revert to either our childhood. It's very generational. It's how we were raised to. Um, that informs a lot of our decisions. But mom guilt, I'll say a couple of things. Uh, first of all, most moms feel it, and it's just we're never enough. We're not there. We're not present enough. We're not doing enough. Um, and it's made in America. Um, and, uh, quite a bit of the work I did was to look at what other countries are doing uh, globally, how moms are treated, what their feelings are. Are they carrying it all? Why are, why are American moms seemingly more burnout and stressed than and moms anywhere else? And there's a couple of reasons behind that. Um, and then I'll give you uh, some solutions to 
kind of cure your mom guilt, which I'm still working through. Um, but mothers globally don't really have a choice but to work. Okay, but in saying that, they don't they don't have like a sense of guilt about it. They take pride in helping to contribute to the family. But on the other side of that, there is a ton of support from society, from their community, from their family members, whether it's family members living with them, um, whether it's their community saying, I am my brother's keeper, even if they're not my children, I'm invested yeah. in raising the next generation because they are our future. There's just an attitudinal shift. There's not an expectation that mothers are gonna carry it all and do it all. Um, outsourcing things is not villainized and demonized as privilege. It's much more affordable and it's expected. Like they're not, there's not an expectation to carry it all. And if you're not asking for help, um, that's not mommy martyr status. That's like, girl, ask me for some help. Like that's just, there's no expectation and there's a lot of policies to support it. I'll tell you, I struggle, have struggled with mom guilt for a very long time. It's so interesting because kids have mirror neurons. So if you say, oh my gosh, mommy has to be gone for two sleeps. Oh, I feel so bad. Kids are going to repeat that. They're going to say, exactly. Oh. I remember my daughter asking me one time, she's like, if you are a good mom, you would stay home. And I had said that to her, but she doesn't want me to stay home. She loves what I do. She loves, she loves being a part of it. And something that's really released me from the guilt is not just knowing I'm not alone and that it's made in America, but it's knowing that the children of mothers in the workplace the sons tend to be better fathers, more hands-on, involved in the domestic load. The daughters uh, tend to be more confident. You're not harming your children. Um, and so they're typically better off. And um, it's all how I talk about it too. So like, for instance, yes. I, I just last week missed my kid's first day of school. I could have said, I am the worst mom ever. Instead, I was like, hey, you guys, you know, I, they know, I always invite them into the process. I've learned to do that from other parents who've uh -huh. given me great advice. And they're like, invite your children into the process, invite them into what you're doing, why it's important, um, make them feel a part of it. They'll start to ask you about it. Um, and don't demonize work. It's no surprise kids don't want to get a job at 18. If we've said, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. It's what kept you mommy and daddy away from their kids. Um, but I've invited them into the process and I'm like, is this an acceptable amount of travel? Because it's got to work for all of us. But I tell them what I'm doing. I tell them about the opportunities. They, you know, shine, I get to shine my light. I get to talk to some really incredible people. They have tons of questions about it. And they were like, no, it's okay, mom. You don't, don't worry about it. We, we've got it. My best friend took one of my kids to schools. My daughter took my youngest to school. Like you have a village that steps up. And when I've, since I have started inviting my kids into it, um, I don't feel really any guilt and they don't make me feel they're happy for me and they feel like they're part of something too. So that's one of, I think that's the best advice that I give. You're not harming your kids. All the studies show you're not, but also invite them in, talk to them about it. Tell them why the work you're doing is important. Or even if it's just like, it's important to help pay the bills, you know, it's really yes. important. Um, and, and say, is this acceptable? Make them feel like they have a voice in it too, but don't demonize it. Because um, the reality is most moms have to work. 70% of mothers will be the primary breadwinner for their families. Um, I hate that word, by the way. That's uh -huh. primary breadwinner. 
um, we've got to come up with better ter terminology, working mom, stay at home mom, like slay at home mom. How about that? Or mother in the right. workforce. Right. So, I like that. Slay yeah. at home. Yes. I appreciate you saying that because sometimes I feel like it's a fine line of, am I over communicating with my children? Um, or am I bringing them in and making it a part of it? And I too recently took a trip this summer and I didn't, I for the first time, I, I didn't feel bad about it mm -hmm. because I was gone for five days, but I had told them I kept in touch and they were excited for me because they saw me stepping into a place, being yeah. that light um, and helping That's them right. understand that God has put us here for a purpose. Yeah. And, you know, and to a degree, I mean, we are doing his work, so yeah. it just looks different for everyone. And, and it's important to have that purpose and in, in teaching them that that is fulfilling. So well, what I'm hearing you say yeah. is it starts at home, it does. you know, yeah. the change. And, yeah. And not losing your identity and motherhood. Like I love my kids. I feel like it's my highest yes. calling to be a mother, but so, and I have been guilty of this my entire identity wasn't wasn't being a mother that's not how god designed us to our identity shouldn't be in being a mother or a certain you know a, a an author like my identity should be in who i was uniquely created to be in in god you know so that i was made in the image of god that's my identity and that doesn't change um so it's been there's been a lot of aha moments, a lot of wake up calls. I've had a lot of blind spots. I've fallen on my face a lot. I've done it wrong. The pendulum swung both side, both ways. And I just like, I really just have a heart for mothers in the workplace, making sure that we're celebrated. We're not scrutinized. Um, we become more empathetic and more efficient, more visionaries, our leadership skills, we're more courageous once we become mothers. Like we kind of become incredible human beings, whether the baby grew in our heart or our tummy. And I just think motherhood should be celebrated. We shouldn't have to choose. It should be supported. And I really want like nothing more than at the end of the day, peeling back the layers. Yes, I'm advocating for mothers in the workplace, but really for families, you know, yes. families and some more support. Because that should be valued. I don't have kids. We don't have a labor force. Stop punishing me for having kids. <laughs> yes. Well, and before you go real quick, you yep. talk about this isn't, we're not teaming up against men. Nope. We need to, we need a partner. And I feel like when we have that, and it's taken time in our own household to get to a point where we have a really fluid partnership Sure. that, but in the workforce, like we're, we need to also be informing because mm -hmm. everyone is, we only know what we have learned, yeah. you know, like you mentioned it being generational. So, oh, but this yes. is not, this is not a book about, you yeah. know, against mm -hmm. men in any way. No. That's not my style. I say I'm disruptive, but I'm not destructive. And I have an entire mm -hmm. chapter called men are not the enemy. Like we, any marginalized group. And I do believe that motherhood is marginalized because we are penalized once we become mothers. Um, any marginalized group needs allies and allies. It can't just be a bunch of mothers in the room saying, you know, we need to be treated better. We need equal rights. We need to be valued. It, we need men alongside us. And um, we also have to understand that men have been hearing their own set of toxic expectations from the time that they were young. You know, we mentioned the 50s earlier when men were, were all but pushed out of the home and said, your only value is how much money you bring home. Be a provider. Yeah. And that's it. That's not how it always was. Yes, men, I think, are inherently wired to protect, but it was always like even Adam and Eve were called to subdue the earth together, to 
to uh, provide together. The Proverbs 31 woman, like the security of her yeah. entire community was on her. She was a masterful negotiator and, and businesswoman. She bought a field with her earnings. And so we have done a disservice to men. We've told them to be a real man or a good man. Those are two different things. So just understanding men can also come to the conversation already feeling uh, less than. They, can, they, they have felt a little intimidated to step into it because of the way that we've ostracized them because we've emasculated them. So at chapter eight, it's an invitation. Hey guys, we can't do it without you. Here's how we can invite you in. Um, and, and I'm not about burning bras or bridges. So right. I'm not about, I'm, I love to disrupt it. Don't, don't get me right. wrong. I love to live on the fringes. Okay. I've always pushed the envelope. Um, but I do not want to be destructive and we cannot do it without the help of the men in our lives, whether it's our fathers, our sons, our brothers, um, if they have children or not, we cannot, we cannot make sure that there is a better way forward for families and mothers uh, without their help. Well, Paula, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today. Will you share with listeners where they can pick up yes. your book and where they can follow and carry media? Yeah. Can you share some Great. of that information? I would love to. So the book's called, You Don't Have to Carry It All, Ditch the Mom Guilt and Find a Better Way Forward. And um, you can buy it really anywhere. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Paula Ferris, F-A-R-I-S. And um, Carrie Media, we, we provide content uh, for busy working moms that'll lessen your load. We have a wonderful weekly newsletter for and by working moms called The Carry All. It's free, it's, it's resources, it's tips, it's load lessening. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. You'll feel seen and heard. And you can sign up for that. Just go to our Instagram, Carrie Media, Carrie underscore media and Carrie, C-A-R-R-Y. Like we want to help carry the burdens of mothers and working moms because they're carrying so much. Oh, incredible. You're doing amazing work and Thank I'm excited you. to see where everything goes. And listeners, I'm going to have notes on all the places where you can find Paula as well as her new book. Mm -hmm. Again, thank you so much for tuning in.